Welcome, welcome everybody to episode 11 of Let's Rejoice Together, our new podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am your host, Jennifer Grove, and I'm so happy to be here. I am actually on a total spring season high, if you will, after attending last night's very special performance at the Grace Rainey Rogers Auditorium at the Met. My very good friend, Suzanne, invited me and Wow. Sometimes we just need to dance. Yes. Especially after the last two years. If you're like me, you're just craving live entertainment. I just want to feel the vibes, connect with performers, hear the musicians play, be open to their energy, connect with other people and dance, which admittedly, you don't always expect to get out of your seat at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. But when it's four-time Grammy award-winning Angelique Cajot, and she's in the house, you better count on dancing and singing and smiling in a night of very inventive, creative Afro-pop, dance hall, hip-hop, Afro-beat music with a very healthy side of social cause encouragement in between songs. It was just brilliant. Uh, Angelique has one of those very extraordinary, if not the most extraordinary voices I've ever heard, let alone boundless energy and spirit. It just, it lifted everyone off their feet. Her new album is called Mother Nature, and she joins forces with uh, young West African musicians like Burna Boy. She covers talking head songs. And as an activist, she uses the power of her music to confront the climate crisis, all while being a beautiful, soulful, joyful dancer on stage. It was amazing. The music was infectious. I, I could have floated home last night from the Met. Transformative. Um, and if you've been listening to our podcast, you've heard me mention the statistics about the number of people who are depressed, frightened, angry, scared about the climate crisis and the status of our planet, and why I think it's so important for the Rejoice mission to kind of build a path to meaningful action, to break these challenges down specifically to give you solutions to more sustainable shopping options and more joyful, rewarding shopping experiences. So yes, the climate crisis is scary, but I'm also here to tell you that there are radically joyful ways to feel inspired, not paralyzed, to get educated, not put your head in the sand, to take action together and do your small part every day, not just talk the talk. And so last night was really this great reminder for me that with togetherness and collaboration brings great strength and that the, the joy factor is obviously a big part of the equation for us. I mean, it's literally right there in our brand name, Rejoice. As a community, together we can be stronger. So making these micro decisions together to make a collective impact and bigger changes and along the way we know it'll bring joy when we're contributing to something bigger. So Angelique articulated it beautifully. She is quoted saying, this album is a love letter to Mother Earth and all the values we hold dear. Truth, trust, love, connection. If there's anything the pandemic has taught us, it's that we are all part of the same ecosystem. This planet is all we have. For our own survival, we need to recognize the humanity that we all share and learn how to live together. There's just no other way. So if you have a chance to go see one of 
Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in the World perform. Or even if you're curious about her music and activism, we'll include a link in this episode's Spotify profile for your reference. Okay, so speaking of talented, powerful, inspiring women, I'm about to introduce you to another one, so get ready. I'm so excited for today's podcast guest. The one and only Jusara Lee is joining us today. And to introduce her, I'm going to read something directly from the Jusara Lee website and then encourage you, everyone, please check out this website and please support her team's business online because I promise you it will pique your curiosity and open your eyes to a different way of looking at your wardrobe. If you don't already know this business, I, I need you to listen to how her business model is described. The Jusara Lee Sustainable Luxury Business Model was originated to foster a shift in the way people consume fashion. Although this model is built on the same foundation as a traditional one, surpassing fit, aesthetics, craftsmanship, and quality, it challenges the perception of luxury as sustainability takes precedence. This alternative model emphasizes the connection between a product, its source, its makers, and the environment. This ethos is more profoundly described in Small is Beautiful, a favored book by E.F. Schumacher that encapsulates the idea that we can find ecological balance when we build our economies around the needs of communities, not corporations. This acknowledgement is empowering, placing the future and health of our planet back in our hands. At Jusara Lee, we avoid polluting and waste at all costs. The plethora often associated with luxury gives way to creative use of scraps otherwise destined to the trash. Biodegradable fabrics, natural dyes, local manufacturing, alteration and maintenance service, small production, batches, and community engagement are all part of our modus operandi. Now, how is that for perfection? And there's so much more to dive into on her company's beautiful, beautiful website. So I encourage everyone to take an online visit where you'll discover gorgeous, one-of-a-kind pieces, including a black and white silk cotton toile cocktail dress I'm currently obsessed with, <laughs> if it's still there by the time you listen to this podcast. There's also a white hand-tailored blouse with black and white silk ruffles, which I was very happy to discover is machine washable. Um, there's a custom design section, wedding dresses, wedding, wedding dresses a hand-me-up section, so lots of beauty to explore. And let's get to the heart of the matter. Let me introduce everyone to my fellow FIT alumni, Jusara Lee. Jusara, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Jennifer. I'm very excited to be here. Oh, wonderful. I'm, I'm grateful and I'm honored uh, just to learn so much more about your mission and your business model. If we could kind of kick things off with if you could describe your brand and give everyone an overview of how you design, how you approach turning old into new, and how you inspire your customers to really develop this closer connection to their clothing, because um, the way you see apparel fitting into our lives, I think it really warrants an explanation for first-time visitors to your website, because it's different than a traditional visit to a store or visit to a traditional website. Right. It's quite different, uh, especially now um, for the past. I mean, we've been in business for about 35 years, believe me or not. <laughs> and, um, and there were times where I actually thought that maybe I should change careers because the state of, of the 
the fashion industry and all the discoveries of the pollution that we produce from extraction all the way into production and the transportation and at the end the clients actually don't really wear a lot of these clothes was quite discouraging but uh, the fact that i am um a small business, I was always able to fluctuate through all these different changes in the landscape. And for the past, I would say 15 years, we've been practicing pretty much a zero waste, plastic-free um, way of doing business and always, you know, asking the big question of where, you know, all the, the, the sourcing, the materials come from. Uh, who buys it and where it ends up. And this is a question that I pretty much ask about everything I purchase and uh, the fact that we are a fashion company and we are proud to say that we, we make the best fitting custom-made clothes with the gentle, gentlest impact on the environment uh, is is great, but uh, you know we always are trying to challenge ourselves. So we started with uh, Hand Me Up, what we call is a, is a collection of, a, it's not really a collection, it's more of a custom mending service that transform clothes that people don't wear. wear. What I call new, one-of-a-kind pieces and always using old world hand techniques because I think it's important to bring that human element back to clothes. And that does a wonderful trick because somehow hand embroidery, hand painting, like just like a hand stitching, it kind of revitalizes uh, old pieces, things that are, you know, sort of laying uh, or hanging dormant, idle in your closet and bring that into the forefront and make it very desirable. So that's basically our, our ambition when we do, uh, when we do offer this custom-made service that we called Hand Me Up, which I thought it was kind of a, a cool uh, name for it. <laughs> yes, I, I love it. It really right? it got me, it got me looking at my closet today and thinking about how much is dormant. Right, exactly. So I read these statistics and I thought it was fake news that uh, the average, <laughs> yeah i mean i wish it was that the average american doesn't wear 80 percent of what's in their closet and then i start asking my clients and they all said oh my god it's true and if they have two houses three houses it's 80 percent on each house <laughs> so it's it's kind of crazy but we really started off the company started off like just as a traditional fashion business we were doing wholesale we were producing still in the, in, in new york but it was still a production and we were shipping to places in Japan, in the Far East and, you know, all over the world. Um, and th then that was my first 10 years. And then when I realized who buys all these clothes, who needs so much clothes? I don't. And I, I always think of my clients um, and I as people who are, you know, think similarly and, and have a sort of a, you know, many aspects of our lives that, 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 are you know are the same and I thought if I don't wear any of so much clothes and I don't feel the need to buy so much clothes why who are these people that do so I started <laughs> to change so I started to change back then as I said about 25 years ago and then it kept on getting better and better to the point that I really 
made the company very small. And it's, you know, for, for the, you know, the regular business minds, you know, we think, oh, that's not a good thing. It, you know, usually you, you, it has a negative connotation. But uh, but it was a very positive one, and that was the, the the biggest discovery in my career that I could make things much smaller, and I could put a lot more attention and a lot more care in each piece. So then there's a lot more chance that the person who is buying it is going to wear it because there's you know a certain element of preciousness. You know is made to you know so so we we got into custom, so we got into people choosing their fabrics I measure them we make everything locally it's just perfection so when you wear something that fits well it automatically transfers into a good energy it gives you a boost of self-confidence and you care for these clothes a lot more than if you pay $20 for it and you just think oh it's okay I just paid $20 you know trash bin or or the bag for the the, the Salvation Army donation and and then we learn as we go along that even those pieces that we feel good about donating they end up in some third world country they don't mm-hmm. need all these clothes so you end up in their lands in landfills so that's not a good solution either and uh, so we keep lapidating the whole idea as we go along again the fact that we're small we're very able to change gears and get things closer to a solution and and we just move along that way and that's the basis of first principle business thinking i love it okay so tell me is there now that you have distilled this down is there anything new on the horizon any big company news or any uh, developments you want to share before we jump into our our round of 20 questions (laughs) well i think it's you know I, I, I think our business model is pretty simple, you know, it's good in, good out. <laughs> and, uh, and we just really aim towards creating solutions to overproduction, overconsumption through design. So we're always doing that. I mean, the latest thing is this one kimono sleeve top that I constructed like the pattern and uh, and then basically we started to go into textile. So all the fabric remnants are from, you know, if I cut a, a custom shirt or, or a suit, you know, I save everything. And it's kind of crazy. My archival is like all these bins and jars with, you know, color coded, but they're all really scraps. And, uh, and then I kind of dignify them by bringing them out and pressing them and cutting them and sewing them. So then we create textile and then I cut this kimono sleeve top and then we add some hand embroidery and then we finish it. And it's the darling, most darling thing that I've made in a little bit of long, in a, in, you know, in the, in the past. So, um, I will probably try to take some photos and put it on the website at some point soon, because now we've have, uh, about eight of them made and they're all different and they're all lovely. So looking forward to share. It sounds precious. And that's, I think that is one of those uh, perfect words to articulate exactly what that is. Oh, it sounds gorgeous. Um, Okay. Well, I'm already feeling so inspired and I'm excited for you to give the rejoice community an opportunity to get to really appreciate the, the validation of this whole vision. So let's get started. Are you ready? 
Yes, I'm ready then. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> what is your company's sustainability mission statement? Um, well, I think Jusara Lee, the company, and myself is, a, you know, we're cultural disruptors. <laughs> and uh, we're interested in, in system change and, and we're seeking to, seeking to bring positive change through fashion. That's basically what we're trying to do. It's a very interesting language, you no know, fashion, because it has been criticized so much with, you know, and a lot of the criticism is very true. And, um, and as I mentioned before, I thought, oh, maybe I should just change careers because this is horrible, <laughs> you know, what's going on. But then I realized that there are ways of using design to to change actually to change the system and and that's what we're trying to do yes don't give up don't quit we need inspirational leaders like you (laughs) (laughs) okay so given that each jusarli piece is has that element of bespokeness this begs the question do you have a number one product or is there a service that your customers keep coming back for is there is there a customer favorite um, I think Hand Me Up has become probably our most favorite service because the custom-made element of our business is a little price prohibitive because things are made with so meticulousness, and and you know we have all the it's all local production with master tailors and whatnot, and the hand me up is is sort of um, a, a, a offspring of of the custom made clothes, except that we transform clothes that already exist. So, you know, extraction has already taken place. The pollution of producing it has already been done, and and now these clothes are you know sitting idly in somebody's drawers or closet. So the idea is. How about we just stop buying clothes and then we just shop inside our closet and bring pieces that you feel, I mean, 80% is a lot of clothes. So you pick a few pieces that you feel like there is something because if you bought it, it's because you love something about it at some point. And then we do this transformation using old world techniques such as, you know, hand embroidery, hand stitching, hand painting. I love natural dyeing. It does mix wonders because people say, well, okay, just sorry, but what about my T-shirts? And I said, give it to me. We do this amazing natural dyeing using matter root and lac extract you know the very familiar one is uh, indigo flowers and mm. is this wonderful uh, student from parts that graduated she's she's incredible and she has a small business too and she does all our natural dyeing and you cannot believe the results of it. Everything looks like, oh, my God, this is a new piece. And it's so fresh. And, and the, the hand touches and, and whatnot always bring, uh, bring the value up. Because I think we're yeah. so accustomed to manufacture, you know, the whole mass-produced clothes that when we see the hand embroidery, it's like, wow, this looks like a couture. (laughs) (laughs) So the price point is more accessible, is more democratic. And, uh, but I, you know, again, I have a lot of the clients that are, 
that come from custom-made clothes, but, you know, also taking advantage of these custom-mending service, you know, the hand-me-up sure. service. So I think that's probably what I am really most excited about. And, uh, and I'm always so surprised when the piece is done. I'm like, wow. And I've been taking pictures of the before and after. Oh, I love uh, that before and after. Yeah. After. And the great. clients are always so pleased. And I just feel, you know, like the job is sort of done because now they feel they're, you know, they bought something new, but they actually didn't, you know, it was already <laughs> their closet. And, uh, but it is, it is a partnership that we have to 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 seal with the clients because they are the ones that actually have to take that first step and go into their closet and 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 you know and trust us with that transformation um so i like the collaborative uh aspect yeah, i was just gonna say that's well. a, a collaboration a dialogue that you get to engage in with your clients and that probably took your you know, a good portion of your career to establish but when when you first set out to start your company what what was that inkling that first problem that you set out to solve um well the problems evolve over time i think in the beginning of my career when i first started which was a very different landscape and i really didn't know anything that was going on in the world caused by fashion um but in the beginning, my struggles were, you know, simply to design collections that would sell well, you know, to be able to produce them, deliver them on time and get paid. <laughs> and, then, and then that evolved. And now my inspirations come from a completely different place. They come from solving a waste problem through design, through creativity. And it is a lot more fun and satisfying to design it with this purpose, I tell you, than just to make something that, you know, people are going to like. When you have a sense of purpose, everything gets revitalized and, and you know, there's a boost of energy in the creative uh, aspect of it. And, and um, so now orders come to me. I'm actually not seeking new clients. As I already established, you know, a pretty solid customer base. But for hand-me-up, I can never say no. But for <laughs> custom-made clothes, I usually, like I say, you know what? Let's go over your closet first. <laughs> well, that leads into my next question. How Have you solved that problem? Is that one of the ways that you and your company define success? Because it sounds like you get great fulfillment out of that. I really do. Well, the strength comes from the belief that, uh, you know, real success is really only achieved when we put the planet before financial gain. Um, so the preservation of the environment, it is our driving force. It is like a reinforcing loop. As, and as a result, I'm not stressed. My work is, is really pure pleasure at this po point of my career. I make enough money to live comfortably and um, and I, I actually don't have all these all these ambitions of having, I don't know what people usually like, uh, second homes or or a fancy car. I don't have any of that. And in fact, since I started in this journey of, of really caring about the environment and putting that in front of everything, I stopped flying. And I tell you, I, I saved so much money. <laughs> so I actually don't even need as much money as I used to. Uh, and I cook at home all the time. So I don't spend so much money at restaurants. So everything kind of changes, you know, even your lifestyle because of that, of that decision of putting the environment, you know, as, as, 
you know, the, 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 putting the priority in, in, in the environment. And I feel, I feel, um, you know, it's, uh, it's just the, the, the icing, you know, on the, on the cake, um, because, um, because I mean, life is, is pretty good right now. So I guess I did solve the problem, you know, of course, internally I did, but uh, there's so much more to be done in terms of getting more people engaged, more people to be hopeful and to be a participant of, of this, you know, this movement. Yeah, this is exactly why I wanted to share your story. So next question, what is your biggest, proudest, most defining sustainability measurement that you want to share with everybody? I think it was probably the fact that, uh, you know, I discovered there is a lot more efficient scale. So I downsized the company, which is, you know, we, we talk a little bit about that. It's like business people, they think is like, oh, my God, that's the worst thing that can happen. But uh, but that's sort of my I think that's probably my most rebel decision because <laughs> because everybody is, is, is intuitively wanting to get bigger and to and to have a, a, a growth in the company in terms of uh, size. And I actually went opposite in the opposite direction. And um, so this sort of, you know, what I call the sustainable luxury business model really was originated to foster that shift, you know, in the way people consume fashion. So I think that, you know, the, the there's no way a company can be sustainable if they are producing a lot of clothes. That's basically what my belief is. You know, Patagonia, yes, they, you know, and, and I don't dismiss the efforts of some of these companies they do. I think everything is is plausible and, and is valuable and it's it's wonderful. But um, but it's very hard to, to claim to be sustainable if you don't do things in a small scale. Because even if I'm going to use organic cotton that is locally grown, I'm going to natural dye and whatnot, if I multiply that times a thousand, um, you know, like hundreds of items or hundreds of hundreds of pieces, the impact obviously is going to be a lot bigger. So I think the fact that you can make things in a small scale is probably the best, uh, the best benefit or the best way of participating positively in these, um, in this effort of, uh, of saving the planet. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Okay. Next question. What corporate social responsibility tenant are you most proud of? I think there are actually some really good examples that you share on your website, for example. Um, and I think there are, you've described some already, but like some things that happen when you scale, when you downsize a company to give a better quality of life um, and ethically working with your team, you've already just described an ideal work environment. What are, what are some that you're really proud of? I think I'm really proud of being uh, zero waste and, and plastic free um, simply because it seems to be so hard, you know, for people to avoid it. 
when it isn't actually, you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, certainly it isn't uh, easy to to avoid it, but uh, but it's completely possible. And once you enter that frame of mind, everything kind of adjusts itself. So, for example, I don't uh, buy things that come packaged. I just don't because I'm like, oh, what am I going to do with the plastic or the package or the wrapping Mm -hmm. or the pen or whatever after? So I start to come up with solutions. And so instead of, for example, going to a supermarket, which I just never go, I, I solely rely on the farmer's market. I make friends with farmers. Right now, we I buy everything from a local organic farm, but if you don't have that, um, that, that, that option, you can always go to a farmer's market. And when I discover farmer's market a lot later than I should have, because I live close to Union Square and I knew it was there and I would go there once in a while, but only when I really realized like how much pollution is produced by, by, package you know especially when i started to compost and separate my garbage i was like oh garbage is all packaging Um, so then i was like okay so how can i circumvent so you start to get a little smarter and you start to think a little bit more (laughs) about things that actually matter that we we just sort of take for granted or we just believe in whatever marketing uh message that is out there um, so one thing leads to another, uh, and, and I think that, um, you know, it's probably the best thing. So in the company, we don't use plastic. I mean, of course, we are shoved with plastic, and sometimes, you know, people bring something, it's in a plastic bag, and they're like, oh, can you just keep it? Be- like, oh, don't throw it away. We keep it. So I have actually, <laughs> I have a bin full of this kind of plastic that just kind of come to me and, and you know, I just try to save it from going to the garbage. But even right. that, we know that, that there are ways of using it. So I started to cut them into like this tiny uh, strips and, and then we put it through a hand loom with fabrics and yarns. And I tell you, it looks wonderful. It looks like there's a little bit of... Um, of a little shiny metallic uh, thing there, you know? So Yeah, so the idea, again, through design is to always think about how can I make use of it and and make the the result be something attractive and beautiful. (laughs) So, yes, I think that's, uh, yeah, our triple bottom line is really to be more cost-effective and healthier and have a better, you know, have a better uh, disposition towards the environment. And uh, I think we are, we're doing okay. And then again, the small scale production really minimize our environmental impact. So. um, Well, that's, I was going to ask what, if you had any specific future goals, because clearly you're doing everything that you can to be as sustainable as possible, but do you have anything um, going forward are you dedicating any um, efforts to the future for any new sustainability goals? Is there something you're trying to tackle for the future? Yeah. Well, do you know what I and, and being here and having this chat with you is a part of it. Is to the goal is to create an open source tutorial that describes and, and sort of illustrates step by step on how we conduct business. Because if I can do it, and I mean, I want to think that I'm super special, but I'm really not. I'm just like another human being, you know. <laughs> and uh, But if I can do it, other people can do it too. 
so I think a lot of the people coming out of fashion school, I always think about them and depressed because either like you were saying, you put your head in the sand and try not to see what's going on in the world, which is not necessarily the best solution, or you actually fall into depression because the state of the world is pretty dire. So, so, so that's sort of my goal um, going forward. I, I really want to try to have more of this kind of conversation so people know that it, there is an option and it is possible to do things in an environmental way where you don't really compromise the beauty, the aesthetics, the dream, fantasy of fashion, but you just don't have to do it in the traditional way of extracting and polluting and trashing, you know? Absolutely. And that's part of the Rejoice community mission is to have this conversation. And my next question is, give, give me a good reason why. But why should we care about your brand? Why should my 18-year-old daughter care about supporting the Jasara Lee brand? And as a founder, why should I care about supporting um, another founder who supports environmental causes as zero waste circular economy? Like, Give me your passionate reason why, please. Right. Thank you. Um, well, I think we are, what we're doing is, is sort of like um, a lifesaver <laughs> for, for people to, to get inspired. And, and this is not, this is like real business. We're not like just, you know, mystifying a solution doing it and the, the company is successful like I have no debts I I enjoy doing my work my clients are happy I don't pollute the environment so I, I think it's very inspirational and I think it's very important right now uh, for us to to seek some some options and solutions that are viable uh, so I think that's probably the main reason people you know should uh, get together with us, you know, and, and, and join force. As I said, the client is a huge participant. They are not mere consumers within this frame of work because they are the ones that actually have to take the initiative to say, I'm going to join this idea and go into their closets and start pulling out things and work with us in the creative uh, journey of making that piece turn into something fabulous like as if they had gone to a store and that pay, paid for more money and and, and and the packaging all that that gets involved all of that is gone you know yes. so it's just so fun it really is and then for people I mean for me it's fun and I think for people who actually have these pieces back to them it must be more even more fun because they get to wear them I know <laughs> <You> know <laughs> And, and doesn't it bring you so much joy when you wear something that you feel, oh, my God, this is just so great. And I know how it was made and I feel wonderful about it. So that's basically what we're trying to do. I love that. Um, and that's you know, part of being a founder. There are so many opportunities to find joy and satisfaction in your work. Can you share one of those with our audience, something that um, they might not, you know, see on your website or in your studio or as a client, they might not get to see, but like something that might surprise them that you really do find joy in from being a business owner. 
Um, let me think. There are many things that I like. Uh, I think probably the fact that I have sovereignty over my my actions is probably the best thing because if you work for a company and you have to you have to submit yourself to their point of view and which most likely is not going to coincide with yours if you are already in that sustainable path it's very hard, I would think, to work for a company. So if I am the founder, I can actually take action and say, you know, and take some radical action, actually, uh, because I see that there's something inherently wrong. So I can actually say, all right, we're going to stop doing that. And we're going to figure out what can be done to complement or, 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 or fill that, that void of something that was taken out because it was just unhealthy. It wasn't healthy. And I actually believe that whatever is not healthy for the environment is not healthy for the person either. So it makes it actually easier to take to take some steps that are a little bit more radical. So I think to have that uh, you know, to, to be independent and to be able to, to take in your hands decisions and, and actually make changes, I think that's pretty, that's pretty nice. It's, it's a good thing. And, and that's the payoff, you know, is to, yeah, yeah because it, it, it's also hard, you know, because everything kind of is like <laughs> shoulder. But that's, that's a wonderful element of the, of the business of, you know, having, or have or been sort of the you know the boss the founder <laughs> <laughs> well and, and with that um sometimes there are uh challenges that you or your company faces especially when it comes to eco responsibility um and you've set out on a mission to solve these challenges um but there might not be an overnight solution um but you you're really striving for them so are there any problems or challenges that you've set out to solve and um, something that you're striving to figure out right now? Uh, right now, I think it's really um, what I'm what I'm trying what I get frustrated is really how can we get more people on board about the state of the world and actually make personal changes because I think critical mass is is vital for for things to really shift um, I think a lot of people end up getting angry and pointing their fingers to the government and corporations but they're so far-fetching because you think like oh how am I going to get in touch with the CEO of uh, some fossil fuel company. <laughs> um, so, so you end up just getting angry and just criticizing, whereas it's much better to just really try to figure out things that you can do as a person, as an individual. It gives you... And it makes you feel like you're not totally uh, useless, you know, in, in the face of the size of the problem. So um, I think that's, you know, through this open source, uh, you know, tutorial that I'm going to try to, I don't know how I'm going to get this done, but uh, I think that's a way of uh, putting it out there, but, um, you know, as a solution. But I think, I, you know, it's sometimes I do get a little bit upset. I mean, I have close friends or, part, you know, family members that they don't seem to really 
understand what's going on the you know the scope of the a little bit frustrated that way (laughs) (laughs) well i think you i think you um identified um something that we are working to solve as well which is why we're going to transition into the personal insight questions because i think if you can share some insight on things that you've adopted in your personal lifestyle, you might inspire somebody else who's listening to take that action themselves. Um, because I think it's, it's beyond the business. Um, and when you can feel like you're making that personal contribution to the bigger challenge, you feel like you have taken a, a small step. So, um, oh, thank you so much. I mean, I love <laughs> that question because it's so relevant Um, especially in the sense that, uh, you know, I am an individual, but I also have this company. A lot of times it's easier to make certain decisions to put the environment in the forefront of all your decisions in a personal level. And then it gets a lot harder to do in a professional level because professionally you have to turn a profit somehow. So there are other things involved, but uh, somehow what I, what I did is the one thing that I did that I think it was very extremely helpful. And I don't even know, it's, I don't even know how to explain it is that I started to do meditation, um, chanting, stretching, breathing. I do a a one hour session every morning when I wake up. And um, I also read books by people who are much smarter than me that can teach me so many things. Uh, Eckhart Tolle is one of them. I learned so much from, from, you know, his writings in terms of how to separate my ego or at least have that under control um, instead of letting all these things kind of uh, take over. And, um, and that has been influential to the point that I even got the best boyfriend I've ever had. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it took, I'm 53 and it took me that long (laughs) to find someone because I think when you have a a positive energy around you, you do attract positive things to you. And unfortunately, right, the opposite is also true. So you want to stay positive. You want to keep the ego at bay. You want to have a certain control over thoughts that come to your brain you know like by default our brain is always negative for some strange reason um we are always kind of questioning why did i say that i should have said that differently i should have done differently and and that puts you down and it takes a lot of energy away the past is the past there's nothing you can do about it the future is completely uncertain so that presence that um that I, I, I learn a lot from from this particular uh, philosopher and teacher Eckhart Tolle was really to stay in the present, and uh, and then the meditation and all of that was just you know added to it, and uh, it all brings out positiveness. It brings back positiveness. I can bring that into the business, and it all becomes a much happier. Uh, state of being so I'm very I'm very happy about the you know the the spiritual side of my of my my life uh, and I really recommend <laughs> <laughs> I love that uh, well let's let's 
start with, okay, so after your meditation, um, and I feel lucky because I had a sneak peek at this, after your meditation, what mm-hmm. do you have for breakfast? And can you tell me where it was sourced? Sure. So <laughs> I do, um, the first thing I do when I wake up is I, I drink a little glass of wa- warm water with lemon. Then I do my hour meditation and my breakfast is a shake with some fruits of the season, hopefully. Um, so apple in the winter, berries in the spring, summer, whatever. Uh, banana, very little because that comes from, you know, Florida or California. So I try, you know, I usually call those my my uh, novelty, <laughs> the banana. Um, so, and so I make a shake with nuts and greens and, and fruits. And then I make and and then I make an oat uh, groats. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it was also a, a game changer in my life. It's basically grow uh, oat before it gets processed, so it looks like a barley. It has a little husk. You have to cook for a good hour in low heat, but it's just so satisfying and it's wonderful. It's very healthy. And then I have bread that is also locally sourced. I I I have this wonderful. I met through the farm that I usually I buy all my vegetables and she bakes at home and she uses ancient grain and Himalayan salt it's just delicious so I, I you know it's uh, some some bread I love the the cashew nut miyoko butter it's delicious and it's uh, 100% um, not animal i mean i'm not a hundred percent vegan but i try (laughs) (laughs) i really try i think it's the ultimate best but i fail sometimes but um but what else and then i have coffee that i also you know buy it at that there's a store called the puerto rican import and they have um, organic Yes, exactly. I love that place. I bu- basically buy everything from the farm, and uh, and there is a place on Fourth Street called the Fourth uh, Street Co-op, where I buy everything in bulk. So that's where my nuts come from, my pasta, and and it's great. Although it's all volunteer based, so sometimes they don't open until like two three o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> and it's usually like when I get there and I'm like oh no I come with all my 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 little jars and whatnot and sometimes I close so it's always good to check their their business uh, hours of operation because it, it's it's not the regular nine to five or eleven to seven um, and um, yeah so that's basically what I have for breakfast and then lunch I eat around so that's a pretty hefty breakfast so I'm always yes, I was say this is very hearty <laughs> yes and then I eat like around now like after we finish our chat um, which I'm loving I hope we never stop talking <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm going to make probably today a little pizza with the pizza dough that the same person who bakes the bread uh, makes is wonderful and um, and that's it I actually don't eat anymore until the next day so I have two meals a day and I, I'm never hungry after my so-called lunch around four I'm not, not hungry, hungry at all and then I go and I do some work I do an hour reading and I do an hour watching a movie and um, and then it's bedtime uh, that is an amazing day. 
<laughs> okay, so within the scope of that day, tell me, Jasara, what's the last item that you composted, recycled, upcycled, donated, or repurposed? Uh, let me think. I'm always repurposing shopping. Yeah. Bags. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, sometimes I actually collect in garbage because I'm like, oh my God, this should not be garbage. But uh, shopping bags uh, is one of the things that I'm sort of proud of because it's very, I mean, people just throw them away and it takes quite a bit of, uh, of um, resource and, and a human effort to put shopping bags together. Uh, so I take them, I kind of put my little spin on it like sometimes I I put uh, like the handle if the handle is like kind of ugly I just kind of put fabric around it and um, and put a little paper sticker and on in, on top of whatever that bag came from <laughs> I love that <laughs> yeah and and people actually love it when we had the shop in the west village i used to tell people that you know you bring the shopping bag back and you get a hug oh i love that <laughs> yeah so they don't go because after all the effort you know they actually go and throw it away so i wanted to have more than just another life but multiple lives after the first time it was used so yeah and we compost everything it's incredible like once you separate your food scraps from your garbage then you realize what the culprits are and then mm -hmm. it's much easier and much less overwhelming to reduce that to zero waste because then you know exactly what they are and how to avoid them and um, yes it's okay fun. what is what is the oldest piece of clothing in your closet that you still get maximum use out of you know, I have these little bolero that I bought in a vintage shop in Soho. And I remember it was not cheap, but it's so beautiful and it's all hand crochet. I asked so many people who are master crochet, you know, people and they, they said, oh, there's no way <laughs> that can be replicated. It was, <laughs> you know, I know, it was from a different era when people actually had the time and the patience and the craft. Yeah. You know, and it, it just, no matter how long it took. So I love that piece. Um, but I still, I have a lot of other, I, I mean, I actually don't, I don't buy clothes. I don't buy anything. You would Yeah. Think, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I know already that I love the answer to my next question because I got a sneak peek at the photo. What is your most treasured possession? Something you purchased once and have no reason to ever replace or throw out. And it brings you so much joy. I think I sent you a picture of me yes. with your waist, the Daniel top. Is that? Yes. Uh, yeah, I love it. It's, um, I mean, Daniel is incredible. I don't know if your audience is familiar with him or if you ever spoke to him, but he goes by Zero Ways Zero Daniel. Zero Ways Daniel, yep. Yeah. <laughs> he takes all these scraps of knits and whatnot. He's incredible and so creative. So I commissioned him to do a Bruce Lee because he had a David Bowie already in his collection and looked amazing. So I'm like, oh, I love Bruce Lee. And I gave him all these scraps of fabric and he came up with that. And I just love it. <laughs> Um, I also have these, I didn't send you a picture. Oh, actually I'm wearing them. I think when you, when I send you that same picture, my horn frames, my eyeglasses, I cannot live without them. First of all, because I can't see well without them, but <laughs> also because they, you know, I, in this quest of not buying anything that's made out of plastic, I went to the 
the eyeglass shop and I said, what do you have that is not plastic? I mean, it was like maybe a 0.01% of their, their offerings. And there was a case of horn, horn eyeglasses. They were a little expensive, but it was made by these artists in Brooklyn by hand. And I just thought, and they look amazing. So I was like, you know what? That's a good investment because I wear them every day. I wear them forever. In fact, I just had them come back today from him, from Max, because they needed a little bit of um, TLC. And oh my God, TLC, he gave. It looks like brand new. I uh, love that. So, so that's the way, you know, like you, you, you make relate, you create relationships with the people who make things for you. And then forever you can have the piece serviced if something goes wrong. Yes. And um, so I love my, my horn frames. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now I'm, I'm curious about this next one because I don't know if this is up your alley or not. Um, do you get anything delivered every month? Uh, because the question is, what is a, a beauty, personal care, health, or a food product that you subscribe to every month and get delivered to your doorstep? You would not believe. I have no Amazon account. I don't buy anything <laughs> online. I really don't. I, I think about all the transportation and the packaging, and I just said, forget about it. Um, so when it comes to uh, toiletry and things like that, I'm very simple. So I go soap bar that doesn't have any wrapping and they sell them quite, you know, it's, it's pretty much uh, available. And, uh, and I use that to wash myself, to wash my hair. It's like one product does it all kind of thing. Yes. Um, for, I have this company that is also wonderful. They they grow their own lavender and they make this oil, lavender oil, which you, you just can't go wrong with lavender. It just smells so wonderful. And they, I get my cream, which is unscented, and I get my uh, all my all my um, my oil from them, lavender oil, and that's pretty much it. I'm very simple. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> Okay, but my my next question is, Jusara, perfect for you because it really does fit your business ethos and your model. I know you already live by this rule and practice what you preach. So I'm I'm so curious. If you were told that you could only purchase three new apparel items and you had to shop your own closet for the rest of the year, uh -huh. it's like this question was designed for you. What three items would you purchase that would withstand the duration of the year ahead for your lifestyle? I think it would probably be underwear, <laughs> <laughs> underwear, socks, and undergarment. Because the ones I have, they are so tattered. I keep, I keep fixing them, and and the socks, the underwear, not very attractive. <laughs> Um, but, uh, so I think I would probably splurge on, on buying you, um, because of that. Yes, of course. I would hope, I would hope so. If you had to go, <laughs> if you had to go beyond undergarments, is there like a favorite piece, like a, a piece in your wardrobe that you wear consistently? I wear my clothes consistently. <laughs> I have <laughs> such a small closet 
my boyfriend mm-hmm. has three times more clothes than I do. I'm very streamlined <laughs> in my clothes. So I wear pretty much the sort of the same outfit. I mean, they circulate, you know, depending on the season and the, 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 the weather. But uh, but I, I get very good use of everything I have. Nothing is nothing can really go into the hand me up unless it's just it needs to be fixed you know like a hole and things like mm-hmm. that then i we fix it with hand me up with the embroidery and things like that but um, but pretty much uh, you know i i wear everything that i have cuz i don't have much <laughs> <laughs> okay next question do you have a question for our audience something that maybe keeps you up at night or you're really curious to get feedback from an audience that we could help crowdsource Okay, that's another question that I love because <laughs> usually I'm the one answering, but I actually have questions too. And one of them that is like a day in, day out, I ask myself and I kick myself in the is that people wear so many leggings. <laughs> I just don't get it because, I mean, first of all, they're made out of lycra, which derives from petroleum, is a fossil fuel not only is bad for the environment, but it's bad for your body because it, it sort of traps your sweat. It does, it's not breathable. It's not breathable like natural fibers are, like cotton, wools, and linens. It, it just basically chokes your, your natural body perspiration. And uh, so because it's synthetic material and it pollutes, it doesn't biodegrade because of that. It's just like plastic. And, and, and I, I think it's excruciatingly unattractive. I really do. So <laughs> I might get a lot of people upset about that because it seems to be that everybody's wearing them. And I'm sure, you know, part of your audience does too. But, uh, but that's my question. I'm like, what is, I, I understand. Okay, but- that is it. That is a great question. Um, <laughs> I, I can't wait to get feedback on that one. So stay tuned. That's okay. A really good I'm one. curious. <laughs> um, okay. And now for the, the current events part of 20 questions, I always like to ask if you can please share a newsworthy article that got your attention, something you insist everyone needs to read. And wow, you sent me a great one to which I will link in the Spotify podcast profile. Can you okay. tell everyone about this amazing article you sent me? Right. So it, it it also goes in tandem with our conversation because it is talking about disruptive design and how we can actually solve certain problems just by changing the, the, the design of things. Recycling is broken. So that's basically the biggest uh, in, in, in horrifying news because you know, the, the fossil fuel industry made us think that by recycling, you can keep consuming as much as you want because somebody down the line is going to transform your garbage, <laughs> your, your plastic into yes. something, right? The, um, that's really not true. That's really yes, not the true. The trash fairy is just going to um, turn their waste into something useful again. <laughs> exactly. And, and there's so much waste, 
because with that whole recycling excuse, we feel like, oh, you know, it's okay if I just open a bottle, plastic bottle of water, have two sips and let it sit or throw it away because, you know, somebody's going to recycle. And it's not true. It was, it's, not, it's not happening. And there's too much of it being, being produced, consumed, and thrown, thrown away. And then they also mentioned that the whole thing kind of erupted, all these horrible... You know, facts erupted when China stopped accepting our trash in, I think it was January of 2018. And then, you know, basically we had this, it's like a pipe that gets blocked with all this mm-hmm. garbage because now the recipient just shut the door. Now, first of all, what kind of manner is that to send your garbage to another country? I mean, I'm sorry. It's just... <laughs> so appalling and and i think my god we are i mean it's not us only is the the is the developed the developed countries is us is the uk is is canada is like all the rich countries that are doing that and i i mean i would hope that we have better education better mannerisms and you just wouldn't do things like that but um, but we and to be honest with you, it's your garbage, it's my garbage, it's my daughter's garbage, it's everybody's garbage. So we really have to take that matters on our own hands and just, uh, I, I boycott everything just for the for that simple reason, you know. <laughs> I boycott by participating in this whole you know, trash and throwaway culture because it is not, it, is, it should not be acceptable. It just shouldn't be. It's, it's horrifying. It, it is. And every, yeah. every state and every country has different rules about how to recycle. In some places, it's rinse and separate. In others, it's you can just throw everything in. You don't have to rinse. And then in others, you have to really separate everything based on the different types of plastic. And what you learn is that most of it's winding up in landfill anyway. So it's really, it's very confusing. It takes a lot of education and effort and it's to your point um it's a broken system so so it's much um, better to just not buy it you know because yeah, it's, it's, exactly. it's so stop confusing <laughs> it's so confusing i'm like you know what just about stop it. buying plastic yeah. um okay so i will share that article in the profile um lastly what is your number one eco tip, your go-to save the planet habit that you've adopted? And you've, you've already shared so many of them today, but something that you realized how easy it was to make the change in your own lifestyle. And now you think it's something that everyone can feel inspired to try and maybe incorporate into their own daily routine. Mm-hmm. Um, I say question you know always question where things come from don't take things for granted i think it's probably the best echo tip because then you can really get engaged in the the the, the reality of things because if you start questioning where things come from everything you touch and buy and consume you just ask the question and then where they will end up after you throw them away i think it will bring a lot of uh, answers and uh, and then it's really up to you to make a, to make a, a decision on how to act but the f- most elementary first step is really to be 
to be inquisitive, to to ask things about, you know, things that we just take for granted. You know, things just come into your doorstep, is delivered, and you don't you don't even think about, you know, what effort and and what kind of extraction, what or, you know, or who are the people who are, who are producing, what the conditions that they are living, and then you think, and it's just so complicated, <laughs> so, you know, to 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 sort of balance all this stuff, and so you're just gonna automatically start boycotting <laughs> because it's a much easier solution. Uh, so I'd say it's, you know, by questioning, you will end up automatically coming up with a solution right. of purchasing too much stuff, with the exception of food, of course. Yes. Well, and that end-to-end solution, it's, um, it's so important to question. So I, I feel like that's a great way to wrap this up. It's it's been such an amazing interview. I'm so grateful for your for your time and I'm, yeah, I'm for so Thank you so much for doing this. I love the different, you know, people that you're inviting. I had a lot of fun listening to some of them and I will keep following your future interviews. <laughs> thank you so much for joining force. Oh, Jusara, thank you so much. I hope the the Rejoice community feels inspired. Um, the whole point of this is to give everyone inspiration and education so they can make more informed decisions. So everyone, I again, thank you for listening to the Let's Rejoice Together podcast. We're currently available on Spotify, where we invite you to join us on our Planet Positive journey featuring AMAs, spotlights, and founder-to-founder interviews like today's with the incredibly talented and passionate Jusara Lee. And with so much more to come, we look forward to sharing these inspiring stories and great insights with you to make more informed purchasing decisions. Thanks again, everyone. And remember, let's rejoice together. It's what makes the world go round. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you.